Looks like it's starting to work. I'll say hello, everyone, and welcome back for another week of Growing with My Fellow Growers. It appears that we are live. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, for just a moment because I'm going to be passing it over to, uh, I'm going to pass it to Matthew Gates because I think he's going to take over as host and uh, then introduce the rest of the crew who's with us. Yep, there we go. I got the YouTube live notification, so we are live. Uh, I'm on my anniversary trip at an undisclosed location with Lady Greenstock, so I got to get running. Peace and love, everybody. I'll see you all next week, and I'll be back around for the upcoming several shows. But uh, I look forward to joining you all again in the future. Matthew, you can go ahead. Take it away. Have a good, good week, everybody, and I'll catch you all next week. You as well. well okay, cool. Um, I had talked in the chat, uh, in our private chat, that there was a research report that I thought would be really interesting, so we could go over that a little bit. I don't want to talk. I don't want to even take up half of the uh of the event unless we really find it intriguing but um, i'm gonna put it pull it up here but first we do our intros right so first we got spartan grown well thanks matthew and happy anniversary to mr and mrs greenstock that's exciting exciting news um i'm spartan grown you can find me on instagram at spartan grown all one word no spaces or uh, you can shoot me an email at spartan at gmail.com and uh, I can help, try to help you <laughs> with all of your uh, cannabis questions. And Dr. Coco. Hey, hey, everyone. It is MJ Coco uh, from CocoForCanvas.com. I am excited to be with you. I got some grows going on. I'm kind of like in the swing of spring here. So I look forward to a fun show. And that's it. It's just, it's just the triumvirate today, just us three. It's just us three. Well, you know, we're 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 an alcohol down in Florida. Who's? I think so. I think so. I think our pers personalities are strong enough. Just and uh, here, huh? shout out to everyone else. But yeah, shout out to. I know that uh, Tao is 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 at a game or concert. He's at a concert. Tao's at a game. So. Jack's gone. Um, Brandon might pop in. Brandon might pop in. Noah the grower, maybe. But um. Yeah, so I guess without any further ado, then um, let me share the screen here. I didn't, um, I didn't prep like I did uh, in the past um, with a bunch of highlights and things like that. But I thought it was interesting. This research report basically talks about how different comp different volatile compounds from cannabis flower. You know, some we are more sensitive to, and others we are less sensitive to, but. What I mean to say is that some of these compounds that we're uh, exposed to, you know, even though there's very little of it, we definitely smell it or taste it more than we would other ones. And people have different, um, oh, I'm going to admit Brenton here, actually. I'm going to stop my sentence. And What was kind of that... exciting for me, Matthew, in this, in this particular, well, my little takeaway from it was, is this, this is kind of an instance where there's some compounds that we can smell it but it doesn't generally it doesn't always mean that it's going to translate to taste because we can smell it such a high ppm some of these compounds or such a low ppm i should say yeah well, that's an excellent point but yeah let me ask uh, or let me have brandon uh join us brandon um introduce yourself what's going on brandon russ thanks for having me guys um yeah i just i don't want to take up too much of your guys is uh conversation here i'll just hop, maybe hop right in what were you guys talking about yeah so this is actually something that you're um 
great to be on for. This is a research report, and we'll talk about other stuff too, I'm sure. But uh, this report talks about characterizing the odor impact of certain volatile compounds. And so like the takeaway that I was describing was that, you know, some of them can be at a low quantity, but still we we feel them, we smell them quite quite a bit, despite them not being as much on the flower or in the constituents as other compounds. And so I think that's easy to forget sometimes. I think it's also something that, um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like people talk a whole lot about. So unless you're really looking for that information, I suppose. So I find that kind of interesting. So this is actually not, it's not new research. Um, this was uh, in 2015 here. Um, so this is not particularly old or particularly new, but anyways. I'm just reading through the abstract here, Matthew. What was the, the purpose of this? Um, um, it immediately sort of caught me off guard that it was for use in, you know, like search and seizure type issues. What are they doing with this research? Oh, I don't know. I have none of that information for you. So the abstract starts with like recent U.S. legislation permitting recreational use of marijuana in certain states brings the use of marijuana odor as probable cause for search and seizure to the forefront of forensic science once again. So this study showed the use of solid phase microextraction with multidimensional gas chromatography, mass spectrometry, and simultaneous human olfaction to characterize the total aroma of marijuana. The application of odor activity analysis offers an explanation as to why high volatile chemical concentration yeah, so it seems like the, the purpose of this, this study is to be better at justifying probable cause for search and seizure. It could very well be how they got the money. Okay. Well, I mean, that's what they're okay. talking about in the abstract in terms of what they're trying to do. I didn't read That's it. true. That's true. Sometimes yeah. when I start papers... Uh, I talk about a history, I take a history lesson, but that's not necessarily the main point of the research, but we could totally take a look at uh, where the funding, author of no support or funding to report. Interesting. Um, they it's do not have about the funding in this case, Matthew. It's just sort of about what the, what the purpose of the research is. So sort of what, are they doing this so we could grow better cannabis? Are they doing this so we could sort of, or, you know, what is the, the application? That's okay. Carry on. Do you think, do you think sometimes people, I was just sort of surprised yeah. when I scrolled down to read that. Yeah, I think sometimes people get grant money for all kinds of reasons, whether or not they actually want to do the research for a certain reason or not, I would only be able to speculate. Again, you're talking about grants, but I'm really not thinking about the grants. I'm talking about what the authors are talking about, why they did this research, why it was interesting to them to do it. Well, I guess that's my point. Maybe they were paid to, and they had no necessarily alternative or ulterior interest. Right? I guess it's sort of speculating on people's opinions. I, I don't, I, don't I, I really don't know. <laughs> Carry on, though. I'm going to I certainly read don't it. either. I'll read ahead as you're talking and, and, and pay attention to your arguments about it as, as well. So go ahead. Well, I have, I have none of those. Like I said earlier, I didn't really uh, dress this down by the nines. So I'm investigating it kind of with you guys as well, basically. So you will have none of that from me. We have this yeah, table so you, here. See, that's what they're talking about in the introduction there, too. Um, they're trying to harden sort of this science of using smell as 
a, a legal justification for probable cause. And so in order to do that, it, they probably need to, to refine certain aspects of the, the perception of smell. Yeah, my takeaway from that abstract was, was that uh, in states where they're like, for instance, Michigan, this wouldn't be effective because it's illegal to use it as probable cause. But they're saying some courts where they're accepting the smell of cannabis as probable cause, because of that, they have to actually define what the smell of cannabis is. So they're looking at what are the compounds in cannabis right. and not other things when like good luck with that when you're calling hemp something else <laughs> and they're gonna have everything it's also it's also a weird logic to me too like you said earlier a lot of places don't allow that to be used as probable cause but also like it's not like it's not like these compounds aren't found in other things so i feel like it's very shaky ground to be honest well that's what it. this research is trying to i think solidify but I'm not so sure. Solidify I mean, the just, science so that there's sort of a, a, a stronger ground to stand on um, when these types of cases come to court. Yeah, but it's so diverse. But I suppose the researchers aren't necessarily familiar, um, you know, with that. Uh, and also this is from 2015. So maybe a lot has been, you know, sort of seen or perhaps uh, um, evaluated. I don't actually know if this has been followed up, but I do know that there's a lot of efforts for people trying to do this. Sun Grown Mids, actually, a friend of mine, Trevor Vitka, Vitka? He, um, he was talking about how in California, what's it, California? <laughs> Sorry. But basically, you're talking about a, a program of, of people who are trying to use um, sort of ecological destruction as a as a way to basically get cannabis from being banned or, or to get cannabis banned as a, as a thing to be cultivated. And they're using the fact that some people, you know, uh, sort of grow, gorilla grow, and uh, it sort of caused ecological damage and, you know, other things that every other farm might be uh, sort of a problem for, but, um, but because it's cannabis, you know, they can really hone in on that and kind of use uh, sort of an emotional um, argument yeah. rather than a logical red argument. herring arguments too, because their real motivation is because they don't like cannabis and they're making other arguments about it. Right. Absolutely. Right. But, um, you know, so like I said earlier, I would definitely appreciate any sort of commentary on, or as you're reading through it, if there's something to stick out to anyone here, um, you know, I'm open to it. it. It just seems very much law enforcement sort of oriented uh, coming from that side of it and, and doing science to support those efforts. Um, I, I did see also that the, the cannabis that they used had been sort of seized from police department in Iowa. Um, so I'm not sure... Oh, uh, it's different have, like, than we would do in, in other kinds of sort of cannabis research. And that's probably because of the day, you know, eight years ago, there wasn't as many legal markets where they were doing this kind of research. Well, I like that's all the compounds point. that they found. It's just like it, it found only what we were to expect is like there's lots of compounds in cannabis. <laughs> you know, it's, to right. me, it's just like, yeah. it's like, it's like good luck. <laughs> good luck finding a fingerprint through smell to cannabis. You, it's it shares so many terpenes with other plants. Like, how can you, I don't know. It seems a fruitless effort. Yeah. Like, like, like here, right? Like none of these are, like, none of these are going to be unique. 
So I guess I just feel like, and oh, somebody could make the argument, oh, well, maybe there's a tendency of certain compositions, I guess. But that's really, yeah, like, I feel like you couldn't really get past that. And I feel like we would have known this in 2015. But like you say, you know, regardless of whether or not this is an actually legitimate claim, people are maybe still going to, you know, make that research happen. Uh, right? Like here, like beta pinene, alpha pinene, beta myrcene, linalool, like in everything are these are these things found so often, beta karyophyllene. So yeah, it just seems sort of like a waste of time for other reasons too. Yeah, I, I just think, I mean, when you're doing research, it really, the question that you ask sort of well, is really important. It also betrays a lot of your biases and it betrays sort of your worldview about things. Um, yeah, you're right. I don't think anyone ever does research that they don't believe in. Well, it, it's well, just how you ask the question. It depends on, it really determines what kind of answers you're likely to get. And like the reasons that we're interested in like cannabis smells are very different than the reasons that like law enforcement is interested in cannabis smells. So you think the, uh, you think the authors are uh, in law enforcement? I guess we could check that. Uh, I think that the audience is meant to be law enforcement. Ah, uh, I see. So not really the researchers, the audience. Well, you know, there's academics who specialize in like criminal justice, um, law enforcement, um, you know, areas. So it's researchers like that that are, are doing work to support kind of um, policing efforts. It appears that these people are not well, at least officially associated. Is there yeah. any information about the authors? There, there we go. Yeah. Um, toxicology graduate program. Yeah. So toxicology, it, you know, the big field there is like drug testing and things like that. So oftentimes working in association with law enforcement programs. Um, I don't know anything about the toxicology graduate program at Iowa State University. Um, I think a lot of times too, though, I mean, it's possible that some of these universities would never be okayed any research in cannabis unless it were in something in this kind of an this kind of an angle. So it's possible. Sure. It could have been a liberal professor, but worded it just a way to get, to get to the hurdles, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, to, to get some information on. Sure, but that you can see quite clearly what they're trying to do in sort of the text of the article and what their their goals are yeah. to improve the way that we're able to sense and recognize whether or not something is cannabis. That's is what it? this article is about. They want to be able to, to know for sure that the suspicious thing they're smelling is really cannabis. Is that a bad thing? It, it, I mean, if you're using it, it's it to a law like enforcement a, thing. It's not, it's not like me as a grower. I know what the hell I'm smelling is cannabis because I'm growing. <laughs> <Yeah>. cannabis. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. There's some skunks that have fucking tricked me. I've been, yeah, I guess so, yeah. but you see what my point is like, we want to understand sort of the components or whatever for different reasons than just identifying that for sure. Yes, this is cannabis. And we can say with, you know, reasonable certainty or with 
um, you know, enough beyond a reasonable doubt that what this odor is, these sort of legalistic angles to make these these judgments. Um, yeah, but I, I don't, let me get this off the table. I don't like, I, I'm glad I live in Michigan because I believe that's correct. You're on the correct, the right side of the law. But if I had to been judged by the smell of cannabis, I would like to have some kind of a guideline rather than, oh, the police officer said he believed it smelled like Well, cannabis. you would want that. Something yeah. beyond that uh, is, is nice. Spartan, if you were in the business of like moving oregano or something and like it like, <laughs> was yeah. often confused for cannabis and you would support this research, you'd be like, man, I keep getting busted for doing cannabis, but I'm just an oregano <laughs> dealer over here. Like, this doesn't bother me. But since you're actually dealing cannabis or, or growing cannabis or whatever, it doesn't protect you. Like they, 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 you don't, you don't actually, you're not benefited by the cops being sort of more certain that what they're smelling is that. that that's a, a violation one could argue of your privacy, um, yeah, improving people's to ability to sense what you have on you or something like that. I, and I wonder, here. I wonder if a metric like that. I mean, it's kind of like what they say about business, right? Where uh, once you choose a metric by which to judge certain performances and things, of course, people are going to game that metric as soon as that happens. So I wonder, yes. yeah, you know, like if there's this arms race that would develop where somebody's like, oh, you think so you're, you know, uh, like um, hypothetically, if it was like, oh, well, this product or this combination of smells gives me a likelihood of X that it's this whatever i don't it probably would be more nuanced than that well then i'm just gonna i'm gonna like change it up or in some cases people might apply something or keep it around some other sort of scent to like mask it which people have been doing forever i'm sure brandon would know that <laughs> yeah exactly so i don't feel like this would be very helpful for that but of course if somebody were to do it um, this is kind of where they would start. I did think it was interesting. I, as I was scanning through here, I saw a, a paragraph. Actually, I'm just going to try to find it. Um, if anyone has any uh, insider banter while I look it up, please feel free. Insight or banter? Um, yeah. I've been, I've been trying to offer insight and banter <laughs> up until now. Oh, so yeah. No, I, what I'm trying to say is keep going. I guess. Uh, <laughs> you could look at I can do an interpretive dance while you wait. Put my damn teasing. <laughs> yeah, it's human sense better. So they so they talk about here. Um so here they're talking about dogs, like you were saying earlier, right? So narcotics, yeah. explosive cadavers. Uh, you know, are the oh so this is what they're saying here in this paper that the current benchmark, like you say, for law enforcement community, right? But yeah. you know, like uh you know, you can't really talk to a dog. <laughs> you know, it's not really a reasoning creature. They thought the German Shepherds were the superior sun dogs and terriers were inferior for the, for the dogs. Interesting. Which is they say terrier. Others. They say terrier, but I wonder what kind of terrier. Good point. There's all kinds Usually of terriers. Terriers are good for hunting, at least. So I, I'm surprised yeah, right? to see that they weren't that good when it came to drug detecting. Hmm. Is everybody well, getting their early their uh, auto flowers ready? Oh yeah, good question. Yeah, good I got question. my auto flowers growing. Got my auto flowers going too, right here on my deck. I got a couple little more over there too. I was thinking about just putting a whole shitload just in this whole back area, filling the rest of this in with dirt. I got all that crop cover kind of sprouting randomly. 
I was going to just maybe do like a whole run of autos right in here. <clears throat> yeah, you're spotlighted right now, Brandon. So if you want to keep sharing, you know, the way that you have these up reminded me of when you invited me to your place uh, when you're up down here in San Diego. Was, uh, I remember you having yeah. the pots out on the uh, on the porch, kind of like this. I, I usually do this, don't I? <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I actually have these little 18... Uh, 18 liter bag. I don't think we're still looking at the report, Matthew, not oh shoot not Brandon's you? screen. Yeah, I'm like it's weird because I put I put I you have I, to stop uh, sharing. You have to stop sharing. Oh, I have to stop sharing. Okay, let me do that then. Yep. That makes sense. And All now right, you yeah, you highlight Brandon. So, yeah. So this is just the Bokashi earthwork soil. And I had them in these little these little 18 liter bags or whatever. They're like I think 0.6 of a cubic foot of soil and they're like perfect for these things i don't have to do much just kind of water them a little bit of had a couple little grasshoppers chewing on them today so i sprayed them down with some buvaria bassiana when you go to transplant those you're just gonna leave them in the bags or you're gonna take them out no no they're done they're flower they're flowering dude are you gonna leave them right in the bag okay you're not even gonna yeah put them in the ground. i'll just here's the little ones uh some other little autos uh, just, right, just like maybe i don't know maybe like two weeks old something like that oh uh, you just missed the spring auto flower challenge brandon you should have started with us on 420 uh yeah that's probably about when these things started you got some chives yeah. or those onions next to it i was gonna say yeah garlic. Some... oh garlic nice yeah okay. garlic and some onions in there i need to actually take them out there here's my little backyard right here i got some you can uh, you can put them on spotlight matthew is he not He's not. No. He should be. Damn. I got yeah, my backyard. Like... It's just got a bunch of chickens, and there's some ducks back there with their little duck pool. That's cool. It says spotlighted on mine. Is it not spotlighted for uh, it you? It is for me. It's, it's I can not show for you me. guys. It's not for anybody on YouTube. So How weird is that? Ow. I'm not sure what would cause When that. you say, hey, when you click the three dots in Brandon's screen, and you said spot, there we that changed something it seemed that that is yeah. how i do it right there brandon how you have it that's how i do on my outdoor right there we're just seeing the four four screenshot on youtube that's yeah. oh that's and probably is, why yeah that explains it this is actually a afghani bull rider uh that i pollinated with i pollinated this with a uh, starfighter look at nice. my backyard here i'll show you guys the garden bed let me go out here there's my bulldog. It's Chubby Chase. He's he's a meathead. Watch out, buddy. <laughs> Those, yeah, they're always full of energy. I just want to, for the chat's benefit, um, hey, Coco, do you remember how to, what's the setting that I had to put uh -oh. it on? One of the chickens. Uh, spotlight for everyone. There should be, spotlight in Brandon's screen, you should see three dots when you mouse over it, and then you can click that, and then there should be an option that says spotlight for everyone. Oh, well, I pressed that one. But I think I also I think the problem. Well, I think because I think okay, maybe it was on screen share and it didn't take or something. I don't know. Oh, probably because with the share screen, so spotlight for everyone. Oh, it yes. looks different on now my screen works. now too. Yeah, exactly. But now I just got some go. uh, some stuff started in here. I got some some squash and some herbs, some little basil's, tomatoes. I got lots of beans, mustard. Uh, so this is the bed that I put. It's 35 feet long. I got to fill the rest of it in. 
Nice. I have a bunch of peppers that I'll be putting in down here. And then this is all uh, corns, um, peas, and squash. Oh, look at, nice. Hey, look at the this little, little a lady uh, beetle lady or something. Beetle. Yeah. yeah, it is. I got a little compost cool pile. garden, Brandon. And there's the horse. That's, there's that's, a horse. That's Scooby. Scooby the horse? Yep, that's Scooby. And then all the chickens and stuff are just doing their thing back there. You got some Scooby snacks laying around? Yeah, so we're just yeah. been uh, – I've been working pretty pretty uh, hard to just get everything going. And then I in my front yard around the house, I have a bunch of, like, onions and carrots and some radishes, a bunch of root vegetables. And then I built this for, the, for my dogs because we got the Aussies. It's a home gross, uh, you know, with with all the with all the veggies and all of the the weed and herbs and stuff. Are the bags leaves? Yeah. So all of these right here are. Uh, so what ended up happening is you can see these trees right here are actually dead, and I've been cutting down all the dead trees. There was one right there, like cut down and there's all these old leaves and so what i've done is i inoculated all these leaves with microbes put some water in there and uh i'm letting them compost yeah it's the, the slow trash bag compost for sure and then all of this was all mulched up leaves under here and i covered it all up with with good soil and then I threw some random crop cover. It's come, kind of coming in everywhere, but particularly it's coming in real good right there. So I was just going to get this spot right here from that deck to right here. I'll just, uh, you know, put more soil here. I got some more pallets in the front and maybe I'll level it out a little bit. And this will be my little weed patch. I like it, man. That's perfect. I'll move my weed patch from up up here on the on the thing, and then this is my black lime reserve male right here, cool. which uh, he's starting to flower because of the light levels right now, which he doesn't normally do. Uh, but I'm just gonna keep hit. I'm gonna hit him kind of hard with some nitrogen, uh, and then I'll keep him in flower enough to uh, just revitalize him in the sun. Cause I'll keep them around for a while. And then my autos. I really like these gem seeker genetics did all these and uh, all the stuff that he's grown out has been super fantastic. Um, it's the kind of, it's the kind of chronic that, you know, you couldn't tell that it was auto flower. It just looks like dank. It just looks like good ass weed. Um, and it gets you high. It's not like low in THC or anything. So he gave me a bunch of seeds and I just been growing these. But you can see they're nice and green. And then I have a little bit more. I have, I'll show you guys my, my other one. Uh, it's These outgrew the, their tent because my indoor tents are just really small while we're like remodeling the house. But I got that. I got. That's the cutest little fucking tent I've ever seen, dude. This it one in here. Like a one by one. <laughs> It's a two by two. Is it a two by two? Nice. Yeah, they're just little two by twos. Nothing fancy. 
I just have like one plant in here. Uh, so this one will be done in a couple weeks, maybe two more weeks or so. I have that, and then I have one that's all fallen over because I took it out of here yesterday. It's all over the place. I took it out outside yesterday, and I pollinated it. This is a Gorilla Glue, so I pollinated it with Black Lime Reserve with my mail oh, nice. from before. I, I had some pollen from it. So Limerilla V2, the version 2 of Limerilla. And then this one was a plant that it was supposed to be Car Carly's, but it's a dude. I just haven't had the heart to kill it yet. I like those big fat leaves. They're nice. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, it's got big leaves and everything, but it's a nice plant. It uh, didn't show its sex until really late, so it would be a good breeding plant. Um, but I just, I don't need it. I don't, I'm working on some other stuff. I don't want to just throw something random in there. Totally valid. Or find a police station okay. to go plant it in the front flower bed. Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, par for the course with this conversation. <laughs> Oh, but now suddenly I can't uh, de click on his screen now. Did Brandon go dark on us? Oh, remove highlight. I see. I think he was uh, done. No, I just I just uh, stopped the video. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Thanks for I want to... Brandon. Yeah, There's absolutely. just nothing else really to show you guys. <laughs> I showed you all the plants that I had. <laughs> that was cool, man. No, and this is a new location, right? Yeah. So I bought a house out in Choctaw. Choctaw. Oh, a few months ago. Yes. How long ago was that? A property. When'd you move in out there? Um, let me ask my let me ask my my babe. Hey babe, when did we move here? Uh, right at the beginning of the year in January. Oh, okay. So we've been here a couple That's months. Two months. Yep. Putting in your first spring garden. That looks cool. I am. Yep. Yeah, so I've got stuff kind of everywhere. I had those beds that I showed you guys. I have some stuff in the front. I have some stuff on the porch. Actually, all my herbs are out here, uh, which now I know better um, to start herbs indoors and all these kind of things indoors. It just works way better. Yeah, but, I mean, have to agree with that. But yes, we have chickens we got ducks we got a horse we got garden beds oh my god we got, uh, we're, we're i'm doing it turned it into a little farm little That's homestead awesome. little self-sustainable system going right there you got a lot of the key components already yes well once we have our own food uh i think this i think probably what i'll do is because i have a lot of really rare uh, chili peppers so maybe I'll do like a hot sauce. Uh, maybe I'll do a hot sauce or something like that. But Use we're going to preserve sauce. all the food. And when we had food before, uh, when I grew a ton of food, it was really convenient because I could literally go outside, harvest food right out of the garden, throw that in the crock pot with some meat. And so most of the time, the only thing that I was getting uh, from the stores was meat. And then maybe some condiments, but I'd try to make my own condiments too. Cause if you have chickens, you can make mayonnaise because they make eggs. And um, you can also make things like ketchup and mustard and stuff with like the herbs and the tomatoes and all the other stuff that you're, you're growing. So 
it's a really, really great feeling to be able to just go outside and it just tastes better. Like you get food that's, that hasn't been ripe, ripened during transport. Cause it's like, dude, I can tell like when I ever go, it doesn't matter if it's an organic farm or whatever it is or where I get it. You can really taste the difference in produce um, from something that's been like take let that's been let ripened and that you can buy ripe versus something that has been um you know harvested early and then like ripened during transport you know yeah tomatoes are probably the most dramatic example of that but yeah all fruit foods vegetables are better from fresh i think i i think that's why for a long time like i don't i'm not a big tomato fan i've mentioned that on the show before but uh i think a lot of that came from exactly what you just said right like my first experiences with tomatoes were pretty ho-hum. And yeah, uh, 99% of tomatoes are harvested green well before they're ripe. They're shipped so much. green and then they're gassed with ethylene to, to make them ripen sort of Bananas. artificially way later. And the ones they call vine ripened tomatoes yeah. go through the exact same process. They just stay on like a little six inch piece of like the, the <laughs> it's got a stem on it it's got a stem yeah. on it yeah that's <laughs> the only difference is that stem is cut off the plant when it, all the tomatoes are still green they're still shipped it's still gassed and then they're like vine ripened because it was ripened while it was still attached to the stick hey it's the complete opposite of cannabis you're paying more for the stem instead of less <laughs> yeah and really um, i, I want to be able, i want to grow the stuff that i use the most so i need to do like a lot of onions, a lot of garlic, uh, a lot of like peppers and carrots and celery. I mean, those are like, I like the, the leafy greens, you know? man, in my in my garden. I like growing spinach. I mean, there's nothing like yeah. freshly harvested spinach. I'll just sit there and eat it. Like I will not like just eat spinach out of like a bag from the store of spinach. Sure. Right. But like, yeah. it, like it's tasty. You can grow a lot of like super cool. tender. Yeah, yeah, I like I like veggies. You should get Brandon. You should get yeah. one of those walking onions. Have you ever heard of those? Those Egyptian onions. Oh, I used to grow those. Um, and uh, so the way they work is that uh, uh, you plant them, and then they grow their stalk like you know sort of normal. And at the end, there's a flower, and then that kind of that that flower becomes the next bulb. But as it grows it becomes heavier and then it dips. Oh, it sinks to the ground and then roots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah, that is. I actually, you know what? I was, um, I was out in Ada at the uh, facility territory where I'm doing a consult three days a week there. Actually, it's a really, really big project. Um, there is wild garlic everywhere. So we were pulling up little garlic cloves. They're not quite ready yet, but maybe in a, another month or so i'll be able to pull up all that wild garlic that's everywhere i finally have uh other grow news in that way where um it's not cannabis yet but a friend of mine gifted me a frederick's cultivar passion fruit vine that i'm super excited to plant and um yeah like like dr coco said so well like um passion fruits are pretty good i think normally even in store bought if they're if they're done right but um you know, nothing beats being able to choose the ripeness that you want. You know, if yeah, you want well, now see, we're spoiled. 
a lot of people yeah. can't grow, <laughs> yeah, can grow passion fruit, but yeah, I'm about to plant some, man. I'm actually oh, really? going to go and buy a trellis and plant, uh, uh, we call it maracuya, but that's uh, passion fruit. Is yeah. that, I uh, mean, is it- you know, what's cool too, is like when you have something like this, like the, what I have going on and I have all the chickens, it's like all the food waste and stuff like that. It just goes straight into the backyard and the chickens eat everything. Yeah. So all the scraps and it's like, a lot of times the only thing we're composting is really is just uh, um, horse manure and yard waste because all the food waste, the chickens just eat all that stuff. Do you process any of the chicken manure? Well, so today was the first day that I cleaned out all of their coops and stuff. And so I used my little power washer, but I just sprayed it um, and it just goes all over the backyard. You know, it just, I, I the stuff I shoveled out it just I'm just putting it in the backyard right now and the reason is because it's just really really sandy out here there's not a lot of organic matter so the the more chicken manure that and chicken you know bedding and all that other stuff that I can get just right here in this area I'll have more grass come in and um, I'll be able to you know kind of build up this backyard a little bit better I might spread some of those those bags of of uh leaves over top of that where it goes out because chicken manure is super super hot really high in nitrogen so if you can mix it with a little bit of browns of something or some straw or something that it might be yeah. a little bit because you might just well, burn a big old patch in the backyard and have no nothing growing there for a little bit it's mixed with like pine shavings or whatever the bedding oh okay all right yeah cool. perfect yeah the majority of it but the, uh, you know what we do is i have this in the backyard, there was already a pre a pre built slab that was probably like twelve or thirteen feet by thirteen feet, and it already had a cage and was already completely caged in top and bottom. And so uh, we just use that for the for the chicken coop, and they can just uh, they just come out in the morning, you know, when the sun comes up, we let them out, and then when the sun goes down, we just put them put them away for bed. But they just hawks cruise around. around. Yeah, they just cruise around. They have like, they probably have maybe like a third or a fourth of an acre right back here between the backyard and in the uh, the paddock that I built. Uh, from the chat, St. Bernard's observation booth, it's been here all the time, uh, mentions that uh, you should feed the uh, chicken maneuver to some black soldier fly larvae. And then feed the grows best the chicken, and uh, you know beat me to it. BSF BSF larvae are pretty awesome, but you know if you don't need it, you don't need it. At the at the end of the day, it could be adding a complication step that you don't need. Uh, obviously, I'm biased, so um, I don't mind uh, having them. And the exudate does help repel some of the other flies you wouldn't really want, like blowflies and stuff to get on your meat and your trash and and all of yeah. that. So. That's kind of a neat thing. Maybe it would be useful for you. I don't know. Maybe that way you wouldn't have to buy more feed for the chickens, perhaps. Well, so I don't buy very much feed because they don't really. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't really like it, but they do like the little mealworms. I'll buy them mealworms. I'll throw them a couple handfuls, but they like to forage for stuff. And so what they're doing is they're grabbing up all of the fly larva from the cow, uh, from the horse poop. There you go. That what they do is they scratch all that and they get all the flies and the bugs that are living in the poop. And so I see them chasing around bugs all, 
all the time out here. Um, There's good workers, man. Yeah. If I had extra food waste, I would definitely start a compost bin and try to get some worms and some soldier fly larvae and all that stuff. But there's enough chickens. There's enough birds back here. There's 15. There's two ducks and 13 chickens. So between all of them, there's they, they can eat all the food scrap without having any compost. Makes sense to me. Well, how about this? How about this? Um, you know, uh, the paper we're talking about is a little bit of a lemon, but there's only one part that I really wanted to talk about, uh, which is this table that we had before. I just want to close out that concept so we can move to another topic, um, yeah, which is sure. that, oh yeah, which is that, like uh, we kind of already said, but uh, it's, so here, here they're talking about products that they think are like, basically um, like keystone compounds. Like if, if these are the most important ones, if you're looking for the bolded ones in this table, the signature compounds. Okay, now you guys let me know <laughs> if you think this makes sense, right? I think we already know the answer, but camphene, uh, karyophyllene oxide. I'm yeah. gonna pronounce this as fenchiol alcohol. Exactly. Something like Linolul, linolenolamine. <laughs> Uh, P-simine, apparently. P-simine, I haven't heard of that. I haven't heard that one either. Terpinoline, come on. Um, pretty high up like there. Terpinoline. alpha-terpinine, beta-pinine, uh, gamma-terpinine, right? What? Yeah. Beta-karyophyllene, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, like, I just, uh, alpha-humaline. Alpha humulene, yeah, definitely unique to cannabis. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, the main the main idea of bringing this paper to bear was mostly that on the one hand, it's kind of cool that some of these compounds were more sensitive than others for us, but on the other hand, how is this really going to do what they intend? Honestly, because um, like you could, I could see you trying to do this for like another kind. I mean, I guess if you're trying to find like if you were trying to make some sort of like, and there's been research to try to make um, like machines that can be good odorant detectors and kind of mimic the way that it works for like the human um, olfactory system. And I guess there's some interesting advantages to that, like sort of a super smeller instead of a super taster. But yeah, I just feel like the the very nature of the, con of the conserved nature of like these volatile compounds makes it really not applicable. Anyways, yeah, um, right. thank you for coming to, to my TED Talk. <laughs> it would make more sense if there was only one strain and it only had one terpene profile. Then that kind of research would make more sense. Right, exactly. Because like, if you develop some very specific fingerprint, um, some different strains not going to match that fingerprint. I mean, the, the, uh, the compounds are very different from, from plant to plant. Yeah. Um, I think, too, you know, my opinion of the paper is really like it doesn't really make any any difference because a labs that that we would be able to utilize aren't going to be able to test for a lot of these compounds and the 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 variance in cannabis as far as the compounds they are producing is so that there's no way for them to just be able to say hey this is the profile 
Yeah, right. I mean, we have that. Right. But what they want to do is be able to cite a paper like this in court and say, according to such and such researchers, it is possible for the human nose to successfully identify cannabis. And that's why we had reasonable cause to search this person's vehicle or whatever. Um, that's how our articles like this are used. And ultimately, I think why they're used, if you go to the conclusions, they're basically make that that statement um, that, you know, we can, let me see. I mean, just the first sentence is odorous compounds emitted from marijuana were identified using MDGC MS coupled with simultaneous human olfaction. So like the, the takeaway that they want you to come away from this is, yeah, we know what's in cannabis. And when we say we smell it, we, we know what we're talking about. Ridiculous. This is kangaroo court. Yeah, but the problem is, and, and the reason why the, well, the argument that won here in Michigan was, is that if you have a medical state where it's medically can be used, and actually we're wrecked now too, um, you can have secondhand smoke blown on you and smell like cannabis yeah and doesn't give any indication that you've smoked or consumed cannabis in your life let alone just, in the last x amount of hours so the supreme court of michigan ruled that smell can no longer be my used. spot well, yeah, that's yeah. Still living still living in california so down here at the bottom they're talking about that understanding of like the difference between the the odor versus what's the most concentrated um quote can help forensic investigators understand cadaver odor drug odor explosives odor etc um so they're making these points about the the relationship between the concentration and sort of the the odor like you were talking about matthew like how things that aren't necessarily the most concentrated still come across very strongly yeah and if you like make something or grow something or you yeah if you like breed for something and it's very novel like then that kind of throws it out of the window it just seems like i mean there's so many examples of this right with legislation not just in cannabis um cultivation but even um other things where like we have a legislative law that just it doesn't really mate with like how scientific uh, you know, understanding of how things are, are, but like, because they had to have something or because there's ulterior motives, you know, it's the lay of the land or the law of the land rather. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, I also wanted to mention that um, it sounds like, uh, again, St. Bernard's observation booth mentioned for you, Brandon, um, that uh, I guess they raised chickens quite a bit over 20 years. And they said that three fourths of an acre, you know, is not enough, um, uh, for chickens or something like that. Wait, are you on three fourths? Is that what you said, or is that somebody else in the comments? Uh, yeah, I said they have about a third of an acre. But, yeah, uh, I guess. They also, I'm they not a chicken also, farmer, though. Yeah, but they also get like food. Like I feed them regular food and scraps, and they forage. So. Hmm. Yeah, I like some of the comments here from uh, like Rusty Nails here. Smelling weed is an opinion. It's not really a scientific, yeah. you know, fact, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And yeah, um, that's, that's what concerns me, too. Yeah, like this kind of, yeah. It's interesting to get into this. It's interesting to see that the, this kind of thing is still done. Um, 
but I, I can also be pretty critical. <laughs> so I should like, yeah. Well, it's good to be critical, I think, of research, right? Like you don't want to let people coming in with, uh, you know, you got a murder board thing, things that matter, things that put people's life at risk, things that are related to your health. Like I'd rather you be excoriating than, you know, the 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 opposite of that word. <laughs> Incorporating. Um, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so. English is a screwed up language, man. We have talked about that before, and I and I hope yeah. to talk about it more with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, English is is crazy. But um, anyways, that I thought I think it's it is interesting, and I think even when we kind of conclude that we aren't going to get a lot from a paper for various reasons. Um, I, I think that that's an important thing to do um, because a lot of people put out papers just to be able, you know, and then like, oh, I read it on the internet. It must be true type of a thing. Um, I always tell my students that you guys are the scholars, like be the scholar. It's your own sort of judgment and you need to, to apply that. Like, does this make sense to you? Why would somebody be saying these types of things? Um, and, and taking that critical approach, I think is important. Not just going with, you know, whatever you read on the internet. Here, here. Um, I just put it in chat because I, I lack the ability to do it elsewise. Uh, but if chat has any questions or anything, not IPM stuff necessarily, but anything for, um, you know, the four amigos here, Brandon, Spartan, Dr. Coco, and myself, you know, please put them in the chat. Um, I'm sure we can make this into a question answer. Or if anyone else has some questions, like this is this is uh, open mic night, you know, um, I'm a little bit less directed as Jack. So I'm the cool uncle in this situation. So if you guys have some topics you just want to talk about, you know, please do it. Uh, I'm, I'm all ears. Indeed. I just, I started my spring auto flower challenge grow. I'm just growing two autos. Um, I set up a little tent for them right now because I have a bigger tent that still has other plants in it. So I'm having fun growing. I've got two tents going and like plants and taking care of them is always fun for me. So, um, yeah, that was on my mind right before the show started. I went over to my and Bake's house up? today. Oh, I yeah. Said, I wanted to share. I went over to my buddy Bake's house today, and we have um, the build-out that we've been working on for a while now. And we'll call it the, um, the the trichome forge. But our first project is a big pheno hunt with triple burger. And we transplanted 40, I can't remember if it was 40 or 41. The 41 triple burgers today. So this is an exciting funeral hunt. It's going to be exciting to see what comes out of this thing. So we got them all in one gallons today. What, they, uh, what excites you about them? It excites me to do oh. a funeral hunt that large. I haven't done one that large before. How large? Yeah, to have 40 different, it's all the same strain. They have 45 different phenos. Well, we still have to sex test them. So we'll probably have few less but uh but yeah to have that many uh phenos to hunt through and see if there's any uh unicorns that really stand out that are really weird that's what i'm looking for so that's i love that you always look for the weird um i definitely empathize with that not necessarily the most commercially viable not necessarily the most 
you know, of one particular note or whatever, but something interesting, something you didn't expect. Yeah. I do like that kind of stuff. So, something that has to stand out. What do they, what do they like? I don't think I've had, maybe I've had a derivative of something in this lineage, but um, what do they like? I know you've okay, talked about so, it before. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really a lot of GMO genetics. So, and, uh, uh, and some OG. So it's got gassy, gassy notes, but then it's also got this, these funky, um, almost burger, burger. So like, it's got like the oniony and the savory kind of notes to it, but it's like, it's, it's funky. Sometimes it can lean a little bit garlicky, sometimes no garlic, but there's always like that onion and almost meaty savory to go with it. So I'm expecting that with some gas notes because that seems to be what the Donnie burger, the Han Solo burger, you know, the double burger. And now here we are a triple burger. It's a lot of GMO. It's a lot of GMO is really what it is. I had a, a question, but then I lost it. <laughs> they were just asking in chat who won the the big light we gave away like the biggest light we've ever given away today so shout out to knock monster who won our giant uh photon tech x1000 this thing won't even physically fit in a five by five tent i said in the the giveaway thing like whoever wins this is gonna (laughs) probably have to get a bigger tent um but yeah it's like meant to cover like five by seven area basically um gigantic light so congratulations to knock monster that was a, a highly anticipated giveaway hey that's the kind of giveaway you'd like to hear about you know this is uh, we're going to need a bigger boat situation <laughs> yeah exactly i'm like this comes with a catch like you may have to get some other new equipment too in order to, be able <laughs> to use this thing but hey um it's the retails for two thousand dollars so i don't think anybody's wow. gonna say no to it no uh, certainly not Wow, that's actually that's really impressive. Honestly, I'm really glad that I'm, I'm sure they'll be able to make use of it in one way or another. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, I haven't heard from them yet. That just happened at uh, like less than two hours ago. The the drawing for that went down over at uh, Coco for Cannabis. So we'll have the next Grower Love giveaway. I don't think it's going to be quite as big, but I do think we're going to have uh, multiple prizes for the. The May Grower Love giveaway. So you guys can check back. I don't know if Jordan's going to have it up tomorrow or maybe the next day, but soon. You know, actually, that I've remembered the question that I asked because you were you were talking, uh, Spartan, about how, oh, about the notes and everything. And it got me to thinking, because you're talking about like garlic or onion notes. I think you might have used the word earthy or maybe I just inserted savory. that in my head just now. Savory. More savory, yeah. You know, um, do you, is anyone on the panel anyone here a fan of or at the very least have smoked a uh, cigar um or anything like that nope i imagine no never like no in my cigar. life yeah in your life Just, i've you know, smoked your cigars life. in my life yes me too yeah yes. i mean not necessarily like a regular thing yeah <laughs> brandon <laughs> um, something normally uh that i normally do but i have smoked plenty of cigars yes yeah and, you know, like in my experience, which is not a whole lot, um, you know, I've, I've definitely been impressed with how, and of course, like there's a lot that goes into the alchemy of how this works and not all of it is really great for you, but um, some of them are smoother than others, certainly. But like, 
like I just think it's it's interesting how um I don't know, I just find it very fascinating. Like sorry. I guess it's like it's like uh it's just such a um it's just such a weird aroma, I think, for some people to like like some people are like, why would you even like something like that? I know I'm not being super articulate, but like like it's just very Yeah, it's very I pungent. Think, I very... think it's it's probably because tobacco, because of you know, big tobacco, because of corporate tobacco has given the the plant, which has been used for thousands of years as a medicinal plant, kind of a bad rap now. So I mean, you could, you know, use you know tobacco, and it does have medicinal properties. It does have health benefits. But just like too much of anything can be bad for you. And then obviously it's processed with a bunch of chemicals. Uh, but, you know, the plant in itself isn't, uh, isn't evil. It's not, it's not uh, like, you know, it's not negative. It's not all these bad things. You know, now it's associated with yeah. the cancer causer or whatever. It's like, if, if you smoke the tobacco, is this going to, cause cancer in a lot of people but i mean it's not a bad plant but that is sort of a consequence i mean if you eat certain mushrooms you're just gonna die right away those aren't necessarily that's like true evil mushrooms but like they are gonna kill you yeah and there's a lot more uh tobacco and cigars right after all yeah i mean yeah i, I don't I've had a. I, I was smoked in the past. I don't smoke anymore, and I'm not a big sort of tobacco fan at this point. In my <laughs> my career as a human. I've had tobacco <laughs> before, and the best I've ever way I've ever had tobacco was they took it's like a tobacco leaf and they wash it off real nice, and then they used it as a rolling paper for cannabis. There you go. And that was that was nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Na nicer than any blunt you've had. I don't like blunts, so yes. Well then, <laughs> not a big that's that not, that's wait, an look at, I'm not blunt. a huge fan myself. I'm just, I just want to acknowledge that it's not all negative. Oh sure, yeah. So, right. I guess got to be a voice for tobacco. The poor little yeah. Bit, well, now we're plant. <laughs> now, now we're gonna take that sound bite advocate. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, basically, yeah. devil's advocate. I mean, like that, that's kind of <laughs> actually. I think uh, in health the health aspect like tobacco itself like the actual tobacco plant itself can help it can actually be a neuroprotectorant so there are some benefits but it's all the added shit that comes with it that's just makes everything terrible <laughs> i've talked about or i've posted on uh instagram that that video of um i think i have it charted out an excerpt from this uh um mit professor talking about like how especially in tobacco but also other products other plant botanicals you would smoke you know they collect all of these you know radioactive particles and their decay elements on the leaves and then you dry it all up and concentrate it and that's part that's one of the big you know you can't escape that that's just how um you know that's just how those things are and they're and, and usually you don't get exposed to them in this way but because of how we how smoking works you know that's just just kind of how it is um but yeah i mean like everything's a cost benefit analysis right Uh, there's another question from Genetic Memory Farms, which is, if it's open mic night, what are your thoughts on naming? 
should we name based on lineage and disclose it? Or should strains be named for marketing and no lineage disclosed? Curious. I think you can disclose the lineage if you, I mean, I, I don't think that there's, that should be like part and parcel to like the second option necessarily, but I, I also don't know if that's as telling as we think it is in a lot of cases anyways. Yeah, I think it's a case-by-case case basis. Uh, it's yeah. like, you know, yes, no, some of the above. It's just uh, all of those are, or, or maybe none of those. It just depends on what you're doing, you know? Maybe yeah, you absolutely. are creating a, a product line and you're saying, hey, these are the SKUs. I want something that's going to be relatable to what the flavor profile is. So this is going to be called Blueberry Blast, even though it's a combination of, you know, you know, Skittles and Blueberry or whatever, you know. It, it, I'm just making what if it's not related to blueberry it. but it just really tastes like blueberry yeah. can we not I know, right? blueberry like, anymore it, since that's already sort of like such exactly. a known strain line yeah. because of that that's where the question I think is a little bit interesting like I, mean, it, oh, it, yeah. I think I think whoever is creating stuff is is usually going to disclose what the genetic lineage is but as far as branding and marketing of weed that's found in somebody's packs and shit I mean, people can, people name shit their own shit, you know, like B-Leaf has his white truffle cut, which is uh, Gorilla Butter, which is Gorilla Butter, but it's a, and it's just shit like that, you know, there's different cuts of, of chop cookies, there's different cuts of, right. you know, different people have different, just different kinds of sour of diesel, it. you know what I mean, and yep. it's just like, at this point, I think it's all marketing. If, if you know, and unless you're really truly dealing with like heirloom varietals, but you know, it's it's kind of it's called it's kind of a all and nothing. Like, like I said, people will change the name of weed just to sell it. Yeah, you know I mean, I, I was selling weed to this to shops all the time back in the in uh, in when I was back in San Diego, and I dropped shit off at a dispo and come back with fucking different weed the next week and the shit that i had dropped off before it's got a fucking completely different name and they're just oh well we already had something called fucking this and this so we just changed the name you know it's like that shit's always fucking happening oh yeah i mean and from the from the chat you know uh scrub shub says i assume they're talking about the topic at hand be creative uh yeah uh various litigation efforts have re-emphasized that point i think for a lot of people but also like come on there's a lot of words in the world that you could craft. Be a wordsmith. I agree with that point. Australian Grown says, call it what you want, but tell us the cross. I think that's a great compromise, you know. Um, so then that opens up that creativity, too. You can call it what you want, but then just disclose, you know, where it came from. Um, you know, you know my thoughts on that. this, like when yeah. I'm growing a strain, I, I, like, I want another name. And I wanted to have, like, an interesting name. That's why I'm growing yeah. Dicky this time, right? But yeah. like, I want to have an, an interesting name, but then I definitely want to know like what the cross is or where it came from. But then I almost consciously tell myself that like, wow, this is going to be totally different than either of those were. And it, you know, it, it really is. I don't think that I want to know what the parents were because 
it gives me any kind of good indication about what the the current plant is going to be, especially if they're very different sort of parents. I really like to know that for sure. Like I, I mean, I want that information. If honestly, I wouldn't buy a seed pack if it didn't have lineage. It's just for me. Yeah, I agree. I always want to know. And um, in my opinion, as far as the the seed names. I can give you my rule. I wish, I, of course, I can wish the whole world followed it, but it doesn't mean that's going to happen. <laughs> but my rule is, is you can do a clever play on words or names to give homage to the lineage. Like if you wanted to use, you know, parts of the names of the parents, that's a pretty common one. Or, or something like you guys were saying, something that tells me something about the actual plant. Like it tells me purple that's something, or it tells me, you know, a flavor or something to expect. And, you know, that I really like that, you know, but something that doesn't have any meaning, those are the ones that I don't like. The ones that I just threw a dart at a dartboard and called it this, but it has no meaning on. See, that's how I feel about like, like a lot of the strains that get, like Donnie Burger. I've no idea. Like, what is that? It's a reference to a movie, Donnie Burger. Yeah. Yeah, it's not which I didn't have, thing. which I didn't have either. Yeah, so don't feel too bad, Dr. Coco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, that one just came up earlier in the show. So, but a lot of these strains that become popular are almost idiosyncratic like that. Oh, yeah. You know, Gorilla Glue was because they thought it was like really sticky, like glue. I mean, it, it didn't have a, 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 a real association with the experience. In fact, I mean... I guess there's a few. Obviously, blueberry comes to mind here with one that's like named after what it's mostly smells like or, or part Brand of the experiences. For the purpleness. I don't know too many that, well, yeah, all right. But there's so many different characteristics. I, I mean, should it be about like the color of the plant, the smell, well, the effect of well, the high? Like what that's what I would say, what makes it unique, because that's what I'm looking for as a pheno hunter. Tell me what makes it unique, not the selling it, like, point. Everything else. Yeah, exactly. Don't try yeah, to make right. the name the selling point. Use the name yeah. to convey Accentuate. the point. Yeah. Like Schroeder here says um, that they got the B, they say they got the B rust triangle limelights because uh, I guess Brandon didn't name the cross. Is that so, Brandon? What's that? Shredder here in the comments says that they got the triangle limelights because you didn't, I assume that they meant you didn't name the cross. Oh, uh, the TKNL5 haste times lime 1BX? I don't know. I, I assume mean, so. That's what it is. Yeah, I did not even come up with a good <laughs> name for it. Usually I come up with something that matches like the parents, like Spartan was saying. Yeah. Like uh, like my Limerilla crossed into Mac V2, I called limelight um the That's a nice name you know uh black light which is the limelight crossed into black lime reserve i'll just try i try to keep it kind of you know within the realm but actually uh i gotta sign off early no i gotta problem. load up my truck with dirt take it up to the facility tomorrow so it was a pleasure speaking with all you guys and uh, i'll talk to you guys all next week yeah, what thanks for Brandon? sharing your garden. Yeah, gross love. Good to see you, Brandon. So I definitely think the names are important. I just want to put my chime in. And and like, a weed near DWC said, like, that's what descriptions are for. But, like, nobody reads the description. Everybody talks about the names. And everybody, like, shares the names. And, like, when, when we write academic articles, we, we talk about the title being the most important part because it's the only words that everybody's going to read. Like, most so people true. read past the title. 
So, so true. Like choosing a good title and choosing a good name in this case, uh, like I get the importance of it. I, I do think it's important to to be, you know, as accurate and descriptive um, as you, you can be. But I don't know. I'm sort of leaning towards I'd rather learn something about this plant and be told the parents in the description or be told the cross underneath or something. But like yeah, the, best the name yeah. for this plant, it makes more sense to me that it would be reflective of the, the unique characteristics of this particular plant. Why would I want to grow this plant? Like, and I think blueberry for that reason is like a good name because it like smells like blueberry. And if I like enjoy that, then I'd want to grow that plant. Um, like yeah i agree that i mean it makes yeah. perfect sense yeah i do too um like i understand the commercial pressures you know like in a commercial perspective like yeah like uh, like i said earlier on other episodes i was talking with a friend and we were talking about like how um they named apples or something and it was like you know typically it's like alliteration and two two words you know so like frosty freeze or something like that um but yeah like i kind of feel similarly i i think I've, I've i've waffled a bit on this topic but generally speaking yeah i'd like it to be descriptive of what i'm going to experience if possible um you know i don't i don't necessarily i understand also the reason why somebody might do like a you know magic number five play and uh you know just make it a number I've read that, um, you know, some perfumes, or I guess the, the famous one for which this is referencing, maybe we don't have the name right, but uh, I guess the reason why they chose a number or something so simple, this is a perfume though, is uh, because foreigners who would buy it could just like point and they could say a number and it was easy for them to just sell it. Probably not the same thing as here, um, but I think it does speak to the importance of like simplicity and elegance in that simplicity. And I think yeah. that a, a great way to do that is just being like, it's called peach something. It smells and tastes like peach to most people. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just don't exactly. do the other thing. I hate the thing where it's, oh, this is strawberry milkshake and you smoke and it tastes like a rock. You know, it tastes like, like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Strawberry yeah, it, what is it tastes like you're musty or something. Exactly. Like it should be it should be related. And then they'll be like, oh, but it was bred from like blueberry gets that treatment a lot. Blue gets carried on into a whole bunch of other things that don't taste anything like blueberry and don't look blue. Um, you know, I would kind of argue that about Blue Dream, for example. Um, but that kind of name doesn't help me very much because I'm not sure that's like a cross from blueberry or somebody is just being cute or it's because the plant turns blue. God forbid, I've never seen blue plant, but, um, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like, like how, uh, it's like, so, like, like, We've talked about the importance of like the the names here, like Australian grown here in the comments talks about how, you know, just put the cross and the breeders of the strain used. That's the important stuff. And I kind of understand that. On the other hand, though, like this is 
you know, it's a very cannabis centric thing where it's like one person, you know, kind of like an auteur, right? And then like in like movies, you know, and um, everyone know, everyone should understand, I think that it's not just the auteur, it's the auteur and their entourage and all the other people who came to make this a fine movie or whatever other creative endeavor is being made. Um, you know, sometimes they're way more important and sometimes it's marketing. Um, but like, I kind of feel as though I bring it up because uh, this is not how most plants are bred and it's not how most cultivars are figured out. And like, you know, if you ask, if you ask an Apple device of yours, um, I'm not going to try to activate people's devices, but if you ask them, who made you? And the, the, the voice comes back and says, a team at Apple made me. That's on purpose, right? So that no one gets a particular uh, uh, famousness or infamy, um, among other things, and, and that sort of thing. I'm not saying that's necessarily bad or good, and I'm not not saying that's necessarily important for this. But you know what happens when people are breeding these plants, and it's not just one person. You know, like I feel like that's uh, not always going to be the case. You know, what do you guys think of that? I got lost thinking about asking my phone questions, but um, I think I missed the larger point that you were trying to make. Oh, yeah. Just that, like, uh, you know how it is, like, uh, you know, breeders of, like, maize. <laughs> yeah. It's not just one dude, <laughs> you know, it's it's a contingent of many people and often sometimes, like, multiple, uh, uh, you know, organizations, right? Yeah. And, uh, well, indeed. They'll Indeed. share a lot. They'll try to develop things. They, you know, at various points with various crops, a lot of breeding is done in research institutions. Um, seed companies eventually get involved and then they become very proprietary with, with the, the genetic lines. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So, so the then I guess it does truncate. Seeds that we buy now, you know, from ADM or, or from um, Monsanto or other big companies now that are selling seeds, um, their lines are very, their, their F lines. So the, the, um, parent lines, um, or sorry, the P lines are very closely guarded, um, sort of what those genetics are, but they take traits often that, you know, are developed in by different breeders and different crosses and stuff and create their own IBLs, their own inbred lines. Um, and, and yeah, you know, a lot of those breeding programs, I don't know. I mean, they're big operations. There's a lot of people working there, but I sort of do think that there's probably like a breeder, um, some higher up, you know, master grower type that, that is really calling the shots or at least responsible for those shots. Um, yeah. In, in a lot of those operations. But the earlier stages of that, when they're like trying to figure out how to develop resistance to something or whatever, or how to, you know, improve yields or do different things, there's a lot of, of trading of genetic lines that have that, those characteristics. Um, I think there's some of that in cannabis, probably a lot, but, but more informally among networks of, of peers and friends. Um, it's less organized i would say yeah and there's not less of like pivot. a rule to it <clears throat> not to pivot too much but 
it's along these same lines. And I often wonder, do you think that in the future with legality, that cannabis will be treated more like a normal plant and it, commercial cannabis anyway, will dwindle down to that three to five different strains that everybody's growing because it's been tweaked so much that those are the only ones that, you know, like you said, they got their, but you know, they might have two, three big corporations that have figured out what's the most commercially viable to, you know, yeah. acres of, and why would you plant anything else? I, I think it's probably going to be a little bit like corn, like almost all the, the large producers grow the same corn, all the big farms, if you're growing as a commodity, you're growing the same variety that your neighbors are growing and all the corn is basically genetically identical. But you can still go to your local, you know, seed store and get heirloom varieties of corn and grow your own corn, all sorts of different varieties of corn, tomatoes. If, if anything, in recent decades, the availability of sort of Lots of varieties of crops for home growers, so for gardeners, um, has increased a lot. You know, you go back to 60s, 70s, it was hard to get a lot of different varieties of, of seeds. And now, like, you know, Home Depot carries freaking all sorts of different varieties of tomatoes and stuff like that in seed form for home gardeners. I don't necessarily think that's the best place to go buy your seeds, but the availability of that's gone up. So I think the, the cannabis market will go in kind of both directions like that. I, I do see some larger sort of, you know, commercial players um, investing money in research. A lot of that will probably stay proprietary, but they might partner with, with you know, public institutions to do some of that. Um, and... And probably sort of narrow in on a really commercially viable, probably good product, um, but without a lot of variety. And if you want a lot of variety, I, I think that's going to be where smaller scale producers and craft producers and home growers are always going to be able to have an advantage. Yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, on, on the same token, you know, some... Uh, Sometimes the strains are really important for reasons that don't have to do with the customer at the end of the line is going to be consuming the product. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a resistance trait or something, you know, some sort well, of environmental yeah. or, yeah, like it's, it's like. Consumer it's preference. Like, That's what's going on with bananas right now. I don't know if anybody's aware of how much bananas are changing, but go check out the bananas at your store these days. They're not like bananas used to be. They're different. No. You're trying to find a banana that is tolerable to American consumers. <laughs> okay. Like that's the yeah. goal in all this is like their number one is like harvestability, shipability, disease resistance, like consumer preference is like way down the list for these commercially grown crops. We were kind of talking about this earlier. Like one of the reasons that, you know, homegrown stuff is better, but like, yeah. that, like, they, I mean, what tastes good to you is like the 17th thing that they're interested in and in choosing the replacement for the Cavendish banana. Yeah. And like grateful adroitly puts out in the comment, they say until successive generations have been stabilized to enhance a certain trait or like keep it stable. Right. You can't count on any single trader flavor is kind of a toss up. And that's the other thing people are naming stuff. That's like kind of variable, too variable to be able to even be like, you know, Oh, this is the, this is my, strawberry dreams plant or whatever you know what i'm saying and uh 
Yeah, you it bet like if you're really banking on it being strawberry flavored, like or 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 aromatic in that way, like it had better be that way, you know. Um, yeah, I, I guess I think that's a really good point too. It's not people might be breeding, but uh, the, the end product might not be the same. It certainly isn't between different people. There was another question. Um, oh, this will be a good question for people who are not me. What's the group's thought on top seed breeders? We need my here for some of these questions. Yeah, we really do. It's unfortunate. I mean, yeah. or Brandon even. Yeah, Spartan can take a stab at it, but I always yeah. sort of balk at this question anyway. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you some of the ones that I'm okay. With. Yeah, I love 2020 Mendocino because I know him personally, um, and I know that uh, there's been good success with different people that I know growing their strains outdoor here in Michigan. Um, I know there's a lot of good. Um, seed companies out there that have been around for a long time like brother grim seeds and i'm just trying to think of you know top dog seeds out of new york i believe that's where the chem dogs work in um popular here in michigan is a lot of the bloom seed co strains and the skunk house uh, genetics that's where the you'll find the gmo and the burgers and stuff and uh, I don't know, I'm missing a lot. ABC Company out of Michigan is a really good company. He's got really awesome packaging. I've got one around here somewhere. Um, probably some of the best packaging in the business, in my opinion. Comes like a little treasure chest. It's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool. And then when you open it up, it's uh i can't pull it out because it's wrapped around inside but it's a hand-blown pendant on a cord and inside the pendant there's a cork inside the pendant is your seeds so uh i really enjoyed the packaging that uh in the work fancy that. yeah that is fancy <laughs> yeah shout out to ABC, abc co in michigan they they uh they got some awesome packaging <laughs> But man, there's a lot of great seeds out there. You're just gonna, or a lot of great, uh, a lot of great breeders out there. My biggest tip for people is if you see something online that you like, or you've smoked something that you like, track down the breeder of that strain and just try to contact them through Instagram or whatever their social media is. Cause when you contact them directly, you can usually cut out the middleman which is usually a seed bank or something like that and you can get uh, some really good deals and i swear man when a breeder gets a message from directly from a fan or somebody that's interested in running their seeds it's usually pretty um flattering so you, you you almost want to you know thank them so i really encourage you to do that because it's probably going to be a positive experience for you yeah, this is definitely reminds me of the, um, I think it's the Ahi, A-J-I, Ahi Lemon Pepper, that, um, I'm forgetting the breeder name on the top of my head, but I guess they had like made it or refined it from another, some other lineage, um, that I think was commercial. I, I'm actually not totally sure. I don't want to like slander or anyone here, uh, getting anyone in trouble, but basically long story short, just amazing that they were able to like make this sort of kind of wholly unique thing, uh, you know, distinctive. And, um, you know, it was basically hobbyist pepper growers and uh, like somebody in the comments was talking about how they just planted John boy here. 
uh, 10 Carolina Reaper seeds and they all popped nice and strong. So like, you know, it's kind of nice. It's very, very nice that you're able to like have this level of regularity and um, consistency. I think that's something that, uh, well, it's the reason why you do pheno hunts, right? But at the end of the day, um, as it becomes more and more possible for people to um, do that at home. And, and of course, cannabis is different than peppers for a lot of reasons. But, you know, I, I think that when more people are able to nail down the consistency, and I think if people are able to do that at a smaller scale, then it'll be more exciting and maybe a little bit more, I'll maybe be a little less cynical when it comes to naming, because all of the all the typical caveats are at play where, uh, you know, somebody says it's blue dream, man. You're like, cool. Okay. Or at least I am um, not to be like a, a yeah. wet blanket, but you know, I think there should be something. I, I don't know. I, yeah. That, yeah. I think, I think we're not going to be able to control how things are named by people. Anyways, they're going to no. give them their own names and yeah. That's gonna yeah. be fine. We'll still be able. The cream will still rise to the top, as they say. Exactly. We'll it's still good. be able to find the best strains out there. And when something really is fire, I, I still believe that uh, cannabis selection process is mainly a meritocracy. I don't think that it, we're biased too heavily by the the names in the end. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like. Um... You know, generally speaking, if people don't like it, they they really don't like it, or if they strongly prefer something else, then that's going to be the that's going to be more important. And I don't think we're, we have a brand. Yeah, I hate the name of my favorite bud that I've yeah, grown over the last you do, four years. You? I hate the name of it, and I keep growing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot, but <laughs> like, I hate the name of it. This is what the 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 Girl Scout cookies crossed with green crack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely I definitely empathize with that, right? And somebody earlier in the comments was saying that they find they find some of these like uh, really rude names sort of embarrassing. You know, yeah. it's like I don't want to I don't want to smoke that with my mom. It's like yeah, you know, I don't it's true smoke. that like I wouldn't grow cat piss. I'm just I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna grow. It's like such a turn off to me. Like I wouldn't. What about cheetah piss? Would you grow cheetah piss? No, I wouldn't grow cheetah piss. I'm not gonna grow anything <laughs> named after urine. I'm gonna yeah. draw the line there. <laughs> Okay. And maybe I'm missing out on something and I'm willing, I'm probably am. So to that extent, like this is how strain names could potentially hurt us. And that's why I was talking about like, it's mostly a meritocracy, but like, I think I am biased about tapas. Yeah, I can see that. Like Australian grown says here um, that their nine pound hammer tastes exactly like a deep fried hammer. I presume to the face, but um, I'm gonna have to wait for their own details, but like, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I guess that's one. <laughs> that's one way to describe an effect, right? <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that was a little graphic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Rusty's got cat piss going now. Yeah, so some people can get past that. Um, I can get past most names. I think. Just rename it for your own benefit. Just call it um, Green Cookies. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh well, no. I'm sorry. Most like extremely silly names or, or out there names or like lots of cursed names or names you'd be you know embarrassed to say. I'm not gonna lie. I tend to like think, oh, that was childish. That's probably somebody who doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Pass. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I, I'm not, I'm going to be that boomer when it comes to that. I'm sorry. That's my initial impression when I see names like that. Yeah. Cause it's easy for you to, I like that, that look there. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, um, because it's easy to be like really, uh, uh, I'm really forgetting the word, but like incendiary, right. Like to get, like, you could totally use that as a, um, not very well, as a, as a tactic. No, very frosty. And I can very speak frosty. This is experience. my GSA. I recognize that jar. Um, but like, it's kind of like that where you could, if you've been in and if somebody like gives some outrageous name, like, yeah, I could totally see somebody's mind for good reason going to, um, you know, I'm just going to get this really incendiary name out there. So it'll, it'll generate um, attention. And, and so like, you might think that, oh, they might expect that to be the major, like we said earlier, selling point when it's maybe nothing really that special. Yeah, exactly. Like the Kanye shirt or whatever. Or like Dr. Coco just a moment ago showing off his Girl Scout crack. I mean, who thought we would ever be on YouTube showing off our Girl Scout cracks? Exactly. Indeed. Indeed. You know, Smart Poker just said something that I agree with. I, I don't think that you should name give your plants, your cannabis plants, a, a boy's name. Like a male name. I agree with that too. That drives me. It, it's it, Gary Patton. Peyton, sorry, came up. Um, it's just hard for me to do that. Um, oh, I don't have they're, that. They're girls. I mean, I always refer to them as my girls and use female pronouns for them. We don't want them to be males. Um, we certainly don't want them to be like gender confused. So I, I don't want to be, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. Rusty Nails makes a, a really good counterpoint. What if it really smells like Gary Payton? <laughs> I think that's a good point. It, that, um, that would be a, another one of these. Like, I'd probably go in the same category that Cat Piss is in for Just me. Just rename it. Rename yeah. it. <laughs> Bruce, yeah, Banner, Bruce Banner. Bruce Banner. Um, oh. Grandaddy. Bruce Banner's not a guy. Bruce Banner's a god. So it's a little different. <laughs> yeah. Jack Herrera. Um, I mean, I had pro I love Jack Meese and Jack Herrera too, but like, I don't know. So that's the problem with naming strains after like yourself or like a guy that smokes it a lot. Or like, or like famous people that maybe don't want to be associated. How about that? Just, just common decency, maybe to like not, maybe people don't appreciate that autonomy being violated, but maybe they don't care. You think Obama Kush? You think he's? Mad yeah, I don't, th I don't think he's so. Mad about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, no. And if you're out there naming cannabis plants, I would just say I like the name. I mean, the smell is fine. I get naming it after the smell, but I'd rather you go after sort of the effect. Um, how is that? Is that more ephemeral? Is that more ephemeral, though, don't you think? To, to, to stake down? I suppose. It's also more fleeting from like individual plant to individual plant, but smell is too. That's true, too. You're probably right there as well. Yeah. Huh. Um, 
one of the things that I think we all have to sort of just accept is there's a lot of variability in cannabis and, and not a whole lot of consistency, um, especially when we're talking about dealing with seeds um, and the way that we're sort of arriving at the most popular crosses these days. So I think we got to kind of accept that much more than we do based on the way we talk about it. Like we expect a strain that we call anything to sort of be kind of consistent or, you know, yeah. I, like, I just don't think that that's valid for most of the strains that we're growing. So the name might be true for some, you know, individuals from that cross and not others. Certainly not if you're doing other steps in the breeding process, too, if you're like selping it back and, and thinking that these are all the same. I mean, ideally, you know, all the strains, all the seeds would be either from a really stable open pollinating variety or offspring of the same two parent plants. And very few people breed that way. Right. Yeah, that's true. I had a, I had something to add to that, but I'd forgotten again. We get caught up reading the chat quite a bit. You guys probably see me in the screen, like staring off in the silence. Me too, man. <laughs> no, me too. Yeah, shout out to chat with all these really I great uh, zingers. Yeah, it's uh, it's been moving along pretty quick today. It's been it's been pretty active. <laughs> oh, I guess I was going to ask what the chat thought would be. You know what? What if the chat thing would be some really good names that you thought uh, would be good, but you just never see or you never had a see, chance? This to is make? the problem, Matthew. No, see, this is this is one oh, of the you're problems. Right. Is coming up with a name first, and then oh, you're right. You're right. Trying to like breed you're to right. that name. That I mean, is actually, a phenomenon right. that's fairly unique in cannabis, I think. Although I bet other that's a good point. Well, I mean, unless yeah, but you're right. Like if we, if we're talking about wanting it to be like the plant, like why would you make the name first? I guess something that would sound funny for a uh, maybe for a hypothetical fictional use. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's what do you got? I still like the oh. I still like from a couple of weeks ago the sour necromancer Kush sounds pretty intimidating. I hope it's like that. I hope that uh, it feels like a, a, a magician is taking my soul out. <laughs> that's definitely a strong descriptor. Yeah, you, I would have to smoke it to be able to give it such a name. That's that's just too strong of a name to be able to just willy-nilly just throw it onto a strain. Yeah, you, they call it like sour necromancer kush, and then you open up the jar and it smells like hay. <laughs> or it smells like oranges or something. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm drawn to um these sort of heady strains. I really like the experience of like having a strain take me like on a trip where I'm like contemplating the nature of the universe and my role within the universe. And sometimes I'll feel like I'm I'm driving the planet through the cosmos. I'll be staring up at the sky or something, you know. Like that kind of experience is very philosophical high, a very kind of, um, yeah, it's a philosopher high. So I want, I want something named after that. That's sort of like going after 
that particular effect. That's my call. Top of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Like make me feel like I'm I'm flying the planet through the cosmos when I'm sitting outside looking up at the sky. So try that next time you're like really high. Like sit outside, look up at the sky, and like imagine you have a steering wheel and like you're flying the planet like through the universe. Got land ship. Or um or just think of that when you drive a car. That'd be really cool. So Jack Herrera is actually the strain that that has done that for me more than, than a lot of others, but it's got the problematic guy's name. So yeah. Jake Memory Farm says uh tags me, says, so if we just want a better society, should we name strains like generosity, empathy, introspection, self-awareness, etc.? You know, yeah, you could call it um obey sycophant now if i went into the i'm sorry if i go into the dispensary and on one side they've got generosity empathy introspection and self-awareness and on the other side they've got girl scout crack hmm that's tough i'm probably walking out of there with the girl scout crack yeah i mean there's a phenomenon they have you know like kind of I get it. I understand sort of the appeal of those names, but I'm not sure that they're striking the right chord. Some of the some of the yeah, some of the names they just feel so. I'm gonna go, um, I'm gonna go empathy over Girl Scout crack. I'm sorry. I'd rather say <laughs> I'm smoking some empathy right now. I'd rather say that. I just rather. I say could. That. It's like, man, I want to get high. <laughs> I don't want to become a better person. Like, you know, I'm, it's like, I don't want to like grow moral compass here. I just want to be like, no, obviously. Well, it just seemed to me, it's just really contrived. Um, the names where it's like. Um, it feels a little contrived. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, uh, like, what have I, I don't even remember, but like, there's definitely been a phenomenon where some of these uh, names are like um, just really generic. I think you could have uh, one that covers both generosity and empathy. Maybe we're just sort of getting Scout crack. by, by the, the separation of those two. But that would be fine if you had like, you know, empath and then maybe like calm or like energy. Like That's what it works is. like that I could go for. I see some of that, though. I But it's like, but they'll, well, what they'll do is they'll be like, oh, yeah, this strain is called like resilient mind and it's a high sativa and See, my bullshit meter just goes through the roof yeah exactly things. and i'm just like yeah. i don't even think it's good weed anymore you're just trying to market bullshit at this point so that's i, I guess another dimension to this particular problem huh oh i like oh you know what? i'm gonna i'm gonna name some of these names because people were actually uh um you know early some, riser some empath did. i like that blue kiss i like that socrates DMT, Socrates that, is good, yeah. For my philosophers, DMT, my, DMT I, I totally go on that's called philosopher Socrates. Garbage trucks. I don't like taking. I don't like taking people's real names that don't have any say in you using their name. I'm, I'm kind of not. A you fan think of Socrates that so might much. object to that? Yeah, I think he, he might. might. I think he, he might. might. I think the guy's gotten enough credit through the years that he can he can handle a little bit of bad press. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah, Aristotle, on the other hand, I'm not really sure I like his uh, opinions about <laughs> servitude. Um, Indeed. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I prefer Socrates over Aristotle, but all the time, man. If you got both Socrates and Aristotle at the dispensary, I'm going for the Socrates. <laughs> well, we got Smot Poker with Copernicus, Rusty Nails, Buddha's Belly Limbs. That's interesting. Um, Space Cadet from Pet G. Dark Matter. There's a good one. That's probably already done. Um, Tur- Turgidy City says Blue Bus. Like from the door. Oh, from the doors. Okay. Ocean Grove uh, at- has a dark plasma strength. That's a cool dark plasma. I like that. Yeah. That definitely sounds like something out of a like Plato's uh, Punch Burke. Uh, yeah. St. Bernard's booth uh, mentions a really great point about how Japan and in the East, they named some really good for fruit, like strawberry mango. They have some really kick-ass names. I'd have to agree with that for sure. Um, yeah, what else? Uh, <laughs> I think we already saw most of these. You know, or is it Socrates or is it Socrates? Like, her, is it Hercules or is it? Her, her, Honestly, her if Hercules? I got to pick, I'd say Socrates. That sounds way more awesome. Socrates. Yeah. I like Socrates. You got, you got me. You got me. Um, just like with, uh, you know, just like with uh, the, the, the silent P in a lot of Latin scientific names, you know, it's not, uh, it's not, it's, and I've even done this myself. It's not Hemiptera. Is hemiterra. It's not. Well, that's you know, only because we can't pronounce it in English. It's, it violates the English rules. I think those are Greek. I think a lot of the, the key things is Greek. Is, is Greek. And is. in Greek, I'm pretty sure they pronounce the the like the Ptolemy, the right? Ptolemy. We just say yeah. Ptolemy. Ptolemy. Yeah. We just say Ptolemy, or we add a vowel sound between the P and the T if we try to say it like Ptolemy um but like the uh right the Ptolemy but I'm I'm pretty but that's like English more um phonological restrictions I think in Greek they can like do just a like the yeah I think you're right together legally I do sometimes try to to do that but what I don't do is call it a a pterodactyl or pterodon. <laughs> pterodactyl is another example of this. Exactly. And, and I'm pretty sure the Greeks, when they say those words, that like the, a little all puh, the sounds a little are puh. present. There is a little, there's a little at the end. Yeah, I think you are correct there. I think you'd know more than me, anywho. But um, yeah, like it's just one of those things where that's where my persnickety pedantism comes out. But at the same time, I think it also uh sounds cooler. So um yeah. Any other cool names? Coco Spaceship. Coco Spaceship. I like Coco Spaceship. I, I, I appreciate that. And I would definitely, I mean, I, I'd have to be like, wait, this is like for me, right? But like, yeah, I like Coco Spaceship. That I sounds would, like there should I would, be a song. I would take a ride on Coco Spaceship. That sounds like yeah. a song right there. I'll take a it ride. It does sound like, it sounds like a Beatles song. Now we've got a whole marketing campaign for my new strain, guys. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Thank you. This was grassroots. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I only pretend to be really bad at hosting. I'm actually a, a mastermind, <laughs> Zanatos Gambit, man. Uh, genetic memory fart. <laughs> Just this the big, the genesis of it all. Yeah. Um, Special moment. Yeah, it is. Her- I think it is Heracles, not uh, Hercules. But I saw, I saw something on the internet where someone's like, what if we name... What if we pronounce all of the names that we have, like spectacles, like spectacles, and things like that? Anywho, intergalactic haze. Fruit brute. I like fruit brute. 
Spectacles. I love Coco spectacles. <laughs> yeah, I need to become a breeder now. I want to want to grow the Coco spaceship breed. Ego OG. Yeah, start with Jack Herrera and, and then find something else to mix into that. Go from there. Yeah. Hmm. Girl Scout cookies or Girl Scout crack. <laughs> Girl Scout crack. It's, you yeah. Mix the crack there you go, there. guys. We got to cross the, the Jack Herrera to the Girl Scout crack. Make Coco spaceship. That actually sounds pretty good. I'm sorry, but <laughs> um, I'm going to be here for it. You got to send me the seeds or send me a cut. Oh, I like this by Eric. I, I assume that's an I, not a lowercase L. But uh, uh, Eric says, uh, use your geographic area, maybe. Like, who's your haze? There you go. There you go. A little Americana. Like Are we supposed to like still that. call it that forever? Even, I mean. No, I not, until some, not until it gets conquered by another country, maybe. Yeah. Constant, Constantinople OG. I'm just really hitting people with, uh, <laughs> with the, the, the ancient history memes. <laughs> I like the Constantinople. Interesting. Well, we'll see, we've come up with good names, and this is exactly what we should, what I always Tackled. say we shouldn't do, is like come up with the name first, but Coco Spaceship, man, that's going to have to lead a breeding project. That is Cracklejacks, I, I like, like that. I'm sure. Zen Punch, there we go. Making it now. Yeah. Well, um, well, you know, we don't have to we don't have to keep talking about this particularly if there's another topic. Well, actually, isn't it about time for Spartan to go? It is. It is ever Spartan. What the hell are you still doing hanging out here? Get the hell out of here with my head yeah. held down in shame. Can't believe I hung out so long. No. <laughs> no, man, these are my favorite shows. We're just it feels like I'm just hanging out and having a smoke sesh. So these are my favorites. So thanks for hanging out with me, guys. Uh, much love. Um, shout out to chat. You guys were blowing it up today. I couldn't even keep up. I, I'm going to be honest. I couldn't even keep up. I gave up. It's always <laughs> good to see chat rolling quick through there. And uh, you can catch me in about 15 minutes on the Michigan Bros Grow Show. So we'll see you all over there. Everybody keep growing. Girl love, Spartan. Girl love, guys. So Mordekind and OG. The two, Matthew. It's just it's just nobody here but us chickens at this point. <laughs> and then there were two. And yeah, then there uh, were two. <laughs> well, um now we've finally gotten rid of everybody else. We can get down to the good stuff, right, Matt? That's right. The stuff that we couldn't talk because Spartan was here about. Yeah, I that's know. Right. We that's can right. never talk about all the all the really key secret information when Spartan's around. We gotta keep him in the dark. Yeah, these are some yeah, good names. I can't stop looking at chat, man. Um, well, I really, I mean, I guess I'll wind down. I don't really have another topic to talk about unless you do. Not too much. I, you know, I could invite people. You could still uh, join in. We just started the, the Spring Autoflower Challenge 10 days ago. So if you want to start some plants and grow with us, um, it's a lot of fun. I, Is there uh, a, there's a comp it's a competition, right? Somebody wins something or no? There is a side challenge involved in the spring autumn flower challenge, but in general, oh. our challenges are just kind of like grow alongs, right? Where everybody gets together and, and grows. Sometimes people coordinate strains. Sometimes we just coordinate the start time. Um, there's usually sort of a, a theme or something like we do the plant training grow challenges. It's all about how you're going to train your plants. 
the New Year's Grow Challenge, which is just kind of like a big party. And then the Spring Autoflower Challenge, which is about growing autoflowers, but like there's still people growing photo <laughs> periods. Berg, Berkshire <laughs> bud uh, earlier today. He's got me the chase. Like, have I shown you my SFAC? And I'm expecting to see these like little seedlings. He's got like these stumps of some photo period plant that he's cut down and he's trying to reveg. So, I mean, Berg is reveging a stump for his spring autoflower challenge, which I told him, I'm like, buddy, I'm going to have to like take you privately and explain to you this whole autoflower concept at some point. <laughs> um, but no, nah, I'm just getting busted. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's wide open to people to grow. Now, the side challenge in the spring autoflower challenge, it is too late to get into that unless you've already started. But um, that this year is to grow the biggest auto or to grow the smallest auto. Um, and it's going to be, I mean, it's still only 10 days. So nobody's got a particularly big plant at this point. But I'm I'm excited to see it. If you've ever wanted to sort of see how to grow a big autoflower plant, what to do, whether or not you should transplant, whether or not you should top, these types of things. Um, yeah, in a few more weeks, it's gonna be really interesting to see sort of how the biggest autos come to be big autos and you know what the, the various growers are they're doing it there's several dozen growers going for this i assume most of them are growing for the the biggest auto um although you can always sort of go the other way but it'll be really interesting to see how different strategies turn out in this um so i'm, I'm excited to to check that out um but yeah, most of the, the the challenge is just about growing together. We have to do photo challenges where you have to take a, a themed photo of your plant at a certain time and submit that. And then we've got prizes for that. And at the end, we always do prizes for the best Gromi, um, the best journal, and the best recovery. So we like to encourage people to talk about their mistakes and how they recovered from them. And we give a I really prize. like that. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Otherwise, a lot of people try to not talk about their mistakes or they just disappear when they have a mistake um, and they stop updating their journals or whatever but because they're embarrassed. But, um, you know, I've made big mistakes. The other big growers on our farm have made big mistakes and it, it, like publicizing them and talking about them sort of opens it up for other people to feel better about their own mistakes. We all we all make mistakes. Um it's honestly yeah. a really, it's such an important thing to, um, to, to encourage. I totally agree with you. Um, and yeah. uh, as someone who is for many times, I'm sure many people can relate in the audience, um, you know, have worked under situations and have tried to help people who, you know, that, that really retards their ability to grow and progress and get better and stronger. And they're just like, maybe they take it personally, or maybe they're just afraid that people will make fun of them or whatever. But um, yeah, that's not no, how you I have to get over that stuff myself, Matthew. Like I'm, I, I started to get scared of like sort of growing publicly because I'm like, oh my God, everybody's going to expect me to be like perfect growing. And like, if I'm not, then they're going to be like, oh my God, Dr. Coco, he screwed up. Or it's like, yeah, right. Yourself. Like, this is what happens. This is real life. Um, like, I think I know what I'm doing, but everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has things not turn out as well as they would have wanted to. And I've definitely sort of experienced that just being honest and sharing my own sort of experiences and struggles. 
you know, is well received by everybody else. They're not sort of like, oh my God, you don't know what you're talking about after all. That's like, no, we all have problems. And I think it frees people up to be more comfortable. Absolutely. Um, you know, got it. I will always emphasize that because I think it's like, uh, you know, man, from a business perspective, it's one of the, it's the killer. It's the silent killer. Sometimes not so silent, but like, you know, if you're in any organization, whatever you're trying to do, if you just stifle that and you're just like, we're just not going to talk about that. It's just, uh, it's not great. and doesn't breed good leaders. Uh, Genetic Memory Farms has a question for us that I think we could get into quickly, which is basically, um, and then I, I got you WV Grower, but so the first question, I'll actually do WV first. Have you ever used a Nutrifog system? Uh, yes, but I don't remember the specifics. Or any other Fox system for IPM, yes, uh, there's benefits. Some of them are for biological products. Some of them are not. And it's really important to have the one that is for those. Um, and it's there's a number of advantages and some uh, considerations. The biggest one is that you can oftentimes use less product and get more um, uh, uh, coverage that way because it atomizes the product. And you know there's a lot of advantages to that for like a contact kill substance, right? And also there's less of you getting down into the, you know, nitty gritty and um, that can be helpful for like limiting spread of, of some pests and things like that. So that's my two cents because uh, we have eight minutes left, but Genetic Memory Farms asked, if you make an F1, is it yours or only if you inbred the parents? If you inbreed, how different does it have to be before you made something new? What do you think? What's your hot take? I don't know that it's ever like yours. I've always had a problem with that. And I always say we're standing on the shoulders of giants. There's there's right. literally like generations and generations going back hundreds of years of other people selecting and crossing that led to the two things that you selected and crossed that then taking ownership at that point and being like, this is mine um, I think we're always standing on the shoulders of giants and we've made this little tiny, you know, improvement or not change on this gigantic thing that, that has been building up to us. Um, I, that said, like what, what breeders actually end up owning are their inbred lines because their inbred lines are going to be unique. And it's like a plant that they keep as, you know, a mother or a series of, of you know, clonal um, siblings. Um, so, like, I, I don't know, you kind of do own that in a certain way because it's it's one plant. It's not like sort of the whole genetics. And then you use that to cross. Nobody else can get those, that sort of same cross. So, but I still think, like, you're standing on the shoulders of giants and you should always try to kind of recognize that. Um, I understand sort of the economics of breeding, but, and, and I, I definitely think that, you know, you're making seeds, you should be able to sell them, make a profit, make a living for yourself doing that and all of these things too. Um, but there definitely seems to be this idea, like if you strike gold by making some magical cross that you should become like rich and famous as a result of that. I'm, I'm a harder time with that. Um, becoming sort of famous is probably happens to some extent along with those kinds of discoveries. But I, I think that we're all working with stuff that was handed to us 
as a result of a lot of care. And, and yeah, it, it's important to tip your cap back to that. I agree. There's uh, definitely a delineation point. It depends on what how you mean it. Like in the legal sense, in like the commercially protected sense, sure. Uh, yeah, there's there's that level of ownership. But in the like, you know, philosophical sense and the, you know, story of how this came to be to this to this point in the present. Yeah, it's like it's like why I mentioned the auteur phenomenon, right? Yeah. And I criticize this is what it. I have a bet. This is why I have an easier time with selling seeds than selling genetic access or rights as intellectual property licensing deals for genetics so that you like license something. And this is, you know, has come up on this show in the past um, because that's really saying like, I own this genetics. And if you want to use these genetics, you have to pay me money. That's different than like, I would like to buy some seeds from you, which are physical products that you spent time physically making. That's a different exchange. Um, yeah, and everything's a subscription now. I know this is not this is getting away from that, but like that, it's kind it's of the same property, mentality, yeah. though. Yeah, that like I play video games. I really don't like, and of course, I was born in the '90s, so some people would say that I still didn't have the same experience that other people did. But uh, I mean, I don't like that for some of these things coming out, it's like it's just you download it from them. And if they decide to like get rid of the servers or they decide to like not support it anymore, you're just out 60 bucks or whatever you spent on it. I think that's ridiculous. That's why I like physical media for that, at least. Um, Well, that was the that was the deal with like this train licensing deal. Like we we own these genetics that everybody wants. And so we're going to license it to you. We'll get you your first clone. And then you grow that out to a mother. You're going to be cloning off of that mother. But you got to pay us for every plant that you grow. Yeah, because we own the genetics. That's the, the model of these licensing deals that, you know, that is something I mean, it it is the intellectual ownership of the genetics, which is different. Getting back to the example of the inbred line, when you actually do an inbred line and you got a male inbred and you got a female inbred and you cross them to make fire, you own that plant, that inbred female, and you own that inbred male. Like they're your actual plants, right? And you're the only one that can cross those plants and make those seeds and like then sell those seeds. That's a different kind of of ownership, and um, it, it's very true that our our society recognizes the intellectual property rights. But I agree with like I think Weidner, yes, that you can't patent life. Unfortunately, in our society, like you can, people do, and I don't. Yeah. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, Jake Murray Farm says, I played the early Atari and was amazed that a game fit on a big hunk of plastic. Yeah. And like, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, people who follow me know that I'm a huge fan of the Metroid series and it just remastered Metroid Prime 1, which is already a masterpiece and still holds up really well for a GameCube game. And, you know, it's like it's interesting because I can literally because of these. This is getting off topic, but basically the fact that I because of the nature of how like computers work, like people made them, had to code them. I can literally go to the people on Twitter and ask them like, 
all these questions about how they made it, like the minutia, the fine details. And in a lot of cases, they're able to talk about it. Sometimes though, they can't, right? Because they uh, kind of, as Rasim Nail said in the chat, you know, like if you work for a company, they might have an NDA or they might have other restrictions. If you have an idea related to the project, they own that thing that you actualize, you know? And it's like, uh, and that's usually a boilerplate thing where like they own, you know, if you, if you create some device, if you create some, Thing. like you know it's like oh well it's ours if you're doing it for us or whatever um and i get that and i get why people do that and i get that there can be a legitimate reason and then maybe it gets a little bit less legit but um at the very end uh we're at 1759 so i think oh, i'll yes, have i think i'll have made a, it to the end we we safely yeah. rowed our boat to the shore matthew yes exactly we rode we made it to safe harbor yeah speaking of laws <laughs> there was and who should we who should we have do the outro first i guess i, I guess i'll have to go first since you're the host i guess so yeah <laughs> anyways guys this was fun um thank you to chat um i seen it yes uh, in in chat so this is only for i was only talking i mean you're only charging my license fee to to commercial growers but i'm sort of thinking about it from the geneticist's side like is that the right way to kind of approach making a living off of um, being a breeder um, and who owns these things and how should we sort of deal with them. But really interesting topics. I, I thought we got more out of that, how strange should be named discourse than I, I mean, I thought that was going to be, you know, a, a one minute drive-by question. We spent like half the show on it and, and that yeah. made the conversation in, in different ways about it. it. got me thinking about strange names in different ways. A lot of that is because of the wonderful participation of the chat. Um, and of course, our, our fearless leader for the day, uh, Matthew Sink Angel Zenthanol, um, who always steps in and, and hosts for Jack. So thanks for doing that, Matthew. Um, I appreciate it. I am Dr. MJ Coco. You can check me out on YouTube at Dr. MJ Coco. You can check me out at CocoForCannabis.com. Um, where we're doing the spring autoflower challenge that I was talking about. And I published my articles and other resources there, like our grow light calculator. Um, and yeah, I'm on other platforms. And every week I show up and do this show. Oh yeah. And I do my Monday show, the Ask Dr. Coco show um, through Patreon. So if you want to come to my, my Monday show, which we have a lot of fun getting into to different questions on that show as well. So um, check me out on Patreon at Dr. MJ Coco. Um, again, thank you, Matthew, and um, go love to everyone out there. What an outro! Yeah, no, and I appreciate it. Thank you very much, and I really appreciate the not just from chat, but also the points that were made earlier uh, for that research report. Uh, I really liked that we just kind of murder boarded it in the beginning, and I agree. We had some really fantastic questions from um, from the chat about this whole. It kind of set the stage, though, because we were talking about, in a lot of ways, a lot of abstract concepts about what is what should be allowable and what shouldn't be. And I think those are some of the more those are some of the more um, ebullient uh, questions because there's all many so many ways we could slice that pie. So, anyways, if you'd like to check me out. For professional inquiries, you can check me out at zenthanol.com. You can check me out on Zenthanol on YouTube for cool footage, like my recipe mite primer that just came out. You should check that out if you're into that. 
or you can check me out on Instagram and Twitter at Sync Angel. And I just got a really good camera. So I'll be doing live streams again once I have everything figured out. So again, thanks to the chat. Awesome questions. Awesome comments. Thank you, Dr. Coco, Spartan, Brandon. Um, peace out, everyone, and have a wonderful day. Grow with love, everyone. Keep growing.